morning, afternoon, or evening, everyone. My name is James DeBrooker, the Ric Flair of Megan Griffin-based book podcasts, and oh, with God. me is... Woo! Uh, with me is, of course, <laughs> Megan Griffin. Say hello. Hello. I'm a little hesitant now. Well, you know, Space Mountain's the oldest ride at the park, but it's got the longest line. Woo! Oh so God. this is the first episode of a handbook for a handbook for mortals, a chapter by chapter exploration of Lani Serum's first volume in her magnum opus, a book perhaps infamous for its controversy. Rather than go too deeply into that, I would suggest you all Google a handbook for mortals controversy because Jezebel has a really good explainer. Short form is it was bulk bought onto the top of the New York Times bestseller list knocking a POC author slash novel out of the top spot. And it was bulk bought so obviously that it was found out almost immediately. Well, okay. It was not so obviously because typically the New York Times will list when something's bulk bought. So it was bulk bought just under the obvious limit. So it could not get that mark. And it was on the YA list particularly. uh, In particular... Um, which has been dominated by The Hate You Give for, I think, every week since it's come out. I still think it's at the top of the list, honestly. Um, now, especially now as I have the a casting qu- keep comes, keeps coming out. Now, I have a question for you, because when I said that this was a YA book, you said that this was not technically YA, but apparently I and the New York Times disagree with you on that point. So why is this book not <laughs> YA? Uh, well, what makes a book YA? Well, so I am old and so i remember when ya just meant a book that was published for people in their teenagers so when i think of ya i think of maniac mcgee i think of you know beverly cleary or stuff like that and then at some point it turned into dystopian love triangles and then there's also new adult which is that but they have sex and i don't know so you were vastly overgeneralizing everything about this um so a YA book which you kind of hinted at but didn't quite hit the head on the nail head on the nail is that a YA book has a main character that is typically between the ages of 13 and 17 13 to 19 if you really want to like kind of give some give but it's not only written for people of that age it typically has a main character and a primary cast of that age um a new adult book is typically 19 to 30 26 somewhere in that range so it's like what most people call young adults when they are actually referencing young adults nowadays but it is considered new adults because it's Essentially a YA book with an older protagonist that, yes, is able to have sex without being judged as much, I guess. I mean, you're reading it, so I think you're... Well, no, we're not going there. No, Um, we're not going there. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Mostly because I'm not to that scene yet. Um, Spoilers for it, folks. (laughs) But the the funny thing is, is that, yes, the the New York Times put it on the YA list. Um, The... We'll get to the forward in a minute. Um, it was kind of advertised as a YA paranormal book. The main character is not YA. And when people called the author out on this, she immediately went, well, I never claimed it was YA. That was everybody else. So. I mean, if we're, if we're listing journalistic sins committed by the New York Times in the past 12 months, this hardly rates. <laughs> no. Uh, um, so. 
what's so okay i've kind of tipped my hat as to my relationship of young adult <laughs> with young adult fictions which is that i didn't read it as any flavor of adult i've also been 35 since i was 12 so <laughs> i i kind of aged out of it pretty rapidly um but you are a, you are a, a young adult partisan i would say you are a, I, a, a proselyte for the ya oeuvre you know i it's typically one of the first places i go to when i enter a bookstore my favorite bookstore is uh books of wonder in manhattan which is a children's bookstore and ya um it is definitely where i feel most comfortable despite the fact that i am approaching 30 um and it's honestly, when I write, that's what I write as well. So it's not all dystopians and love triangles, as much as you, my 35-year-old counterpart might want to make it be. But uh, it's a... So, 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 so I will say <laughs> that while every genre has, you know, genres like, gender or sexuality is a spectrum not a binary you have to admit <laughs> that there is there are certain ya tropes that tie together not all of the fiction but <laughs> the biggest ticket examples of I the will fiction i agree that and and so and so there is a there is a shorthand to writing a generic young adult novel. Like there was a shorthand for making a slasher movie in the eighties. I, I disagree. I think early what, so why as a genre like children's literature, the genre has been around since the late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, you know, you mentioned Beverly Clary. There's also Susan Cooper, um, oh, the woman, Lois Duncan. Um, you know, it's been Christopher Pike is considered a YA author these days. So when but no, YA... But, Chris, but like Christopher Pike, I mean, Christopher Pike was always a YA author. And, and like he has a handful of novels that are, you know, AA. Wait, sure. no, I can't call it AA, can I? Um, <laughs> adult, adult. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, my point being that, yes, when YA came to be a genre to where we actually had a place in a bookstore that is considered teen fiction or YA fiction, um, which I remember this happening, um, is the years of, you know, Twilight and Hunger Games becoming very high. So, yes, I understand where the dystopian love triangle comes into play in your mind. But if you walk into a YA section now, there's you know, general, like there is a general fiction section. There's the paranormal one. Yeah. There's yeah, the yeah. love it, or romance. And then there's the horror. I mean, there's, it's got every, it's, it's starting to become a more well-rounded and defined genre. Agre so. agre agreed. But I, I think that it will always, it, being to your 35 born out of, mind, it will always it will, be. So, so being born out of, twilight and the hunger games it, the, you know, there is a there there was a call and like there's it's always going to be kind of associated with that because that birthed the genre as we know it today and, and so so i mean and we're, we're getting ready to talk to a, a talk about a book that pretty fucking clearly hews to the playbook right like this is i, I mean it's not dystopian it's not dystopian 
the author is a quarter, not the author, sorry, the main character is 25 years old, a quarter of a century. Um, it's, and in 10 years when new adult literature is not just YA literature with sex, and it's actually well-rounded, and you can place books like A Darker Shade of Magic, which is currently considered an adult book, but if you take the basic definition of new adult, which is books about people between the ages of 19 and 26, 20, 30, whatever, A Darker Shade of Magic will eventually fall into that, right, when you remove the overlining there must be sex in it. So I no, no. honestly would classify this as new adult, which I understand can go YA or it can go adult. So, but, but are we so insulated as a culture that we need to read books about people who are close to us in age? I, 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 I just, I, I don't understand. I, I understand the distinction because I'm not enumerate that, you know, YA goes up to about, 19 new adult is you know 20 to 25 but like i, I, I think it actually I, spends if, more if, I, if, I, if, if i'm reading a book and a main character is 10 you know plus or minus 10 years that's not what makes me go oh i can't possibly relate to that because i either was that age at some point or hope to be that age at some point i don't think it's necessarily that people want to read characters that are the same age as them I think it is just that the number of authors that we have it's causing more and more genre divisions to come out so I don't I don't know I, I I'm, I'm 29 and YA is nowhere near my age range so I, I mean I get I get that it's like it's like archive of your own where you can find the exact kink and pairing you want um I, I I just don't insult my fanfiction days. I'm not. I, no no no. Whatever whatever. I've read some really good um, Xander Giles, which isn't even really my favorite pairing. Whoa. But I mean, it's it's out there and it's good. Xander yeah, should I'm more of a spot. be left alone and thrown to the wolves. Uh, well, you know, I, I, I'm more of a Spiles man in any case. Um, but Spike and Giles? I guess I don't know. Yeah. Right, you're gonna have to explain that one to me later. What? No. What's What's there to explain? Explain. He's Spike and he's Giles. I it's mean, just not the what? one I've ever, ever, ever heard of. So now I'm like really curious. You've never heard no. of Spiles? No. But I'm curious. All right. Well, I mean, I guarantee if you search for Spiles, it'll be a fertile fucking. Oh field. sure. Uh, but anyway. All right. So, so you think it's just a function of the number of authors that we have? Where? everyone is coming up with micro genres to fit their own. Yeah. I mean, it's, if you go into the horror genre, you're going to, you know, have, there's monsters, there's sci-fi, there's psychological, sure, but, there's. Yeah, sure. But it's also just going to be locked under horror. And I guess, I mean, you don't, they don't really separate out the young adult from the new adult yet. At no, this they point. don't. I mean, and horror is horror. Is and horror. used to, it just was adult and children's. And so you weren't always sure where you were going to have to find these books, like Susan Cooper books, are strictly YA by today's standards. But when I was reading them, they were under the kids section. So yeah. um, the first, you know, when Harry Potter started, it fell under the kids section. It's somewhere between kid and YA, depending on which book you're looking for these days. But it's just, it's just a way. 
and especially in a world where the public school system, you know, there are there actually are private schools too where they want you to read to X age range and never not ugh, nothing above that. So between all of our micromanaging of our children, this is also a result of that. Um, right. Well then let's 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 move from the general to the specific and and go back to to your new favorite book, A Handbook for Mortals. Now you've read you've you've read the entire thing and I have been tasked with only reading the back the jacket, the uh, foreword and chapter 0. So I have I have held to that because I'm a man of my word. So yeah, this started I got a copy of this book um, from Nat Galley uh, to read and review and because of the controversy I was completely shocked so I ended up reading the whole thing it took me about two weeks I think just because if I don't like it I don't I'd find anything else to do to read and I wrote a review and that's kind of what started this I'm not entirely sure who said let's do a podcast first but here we are I did Um, I did I wasn't sure if you actually wanted to claim that so okay yeah nope nope (laughs) my idea um so so yeah so you have, you did read my review, so you have a general overview of, like, what happens in this book, but not enough yeah, to, but I, to, you know, so there's some things, we're occasionally going to have guests, and hopefully that have not read my review or know nothing about this book to to see some of the stuff, but, um, but yeah, so we've got a cover. Um, I don't yep. have a back cover, so you're going to have to tell me what's on that. Um, okay. So let's start with the front cover, at least. Well, it's, um, the art's fine. It's a uh, blindfolded woman with a rose in her, uh, between her teeth, and she's got a dagger, and she's in front of a bullseye, um, sitting on, um, it's, uh, sitting on a stool that's, uh, designed to evoke a specific form of cross, and I can't remember what the name of the cross is, but it is a, uh, a very specific cross um types of crucifix he <laughs> types into Google. so this is not a spoiler but just a heads up the i think it was uh worst bestsellers where i realized this but um they did an episode on this book which i highly recommend you go listen to if you haven't um but one of the hosts pointed out that basically everything on this cover is a in response to something in the book um, and not to dwell on the controversy because we're really going to try hard not to, but there is some debate as to whether or not this breaks copyright rules because there's an Australian artist who has a very similar painting to this, um, huh. that there is debate if she flat out copied it, uh, or if she got an actual copyright, um, stuff, but either way, um, yeah, we've got a blindfolded blonde woman with, color in her hair and she's in shorts and a t-shirt and knee-high socks and couple moon phases um did you figure out what the cross was you know it's not exactly anything specifically it's closest to a uh supidanium cross um or perhaps an inverted uh papal cross which i'm sure is neither intent um but yeah it's um she's sitting on a stool there are some daggers thrown into the bullseye behind her she's got blonde hair and jorts actually i think these are technically daisy dukes i would, I would yeah, consider I would say, them daisy i would dukes. go for the daisy dukes here um da- daisy dukes and um 
uh, knee-high socks and chucks. Can, are, I thought jorts were more of a guy thing. Jorts, yeah, well, jorts, I mean, I'm not sure if they're gendered or not. I mean, these are definitely Daisy Dukes, which are pretty significantly gendered, but, you know, that's their their torn off jean shorts. Um, I mean, she is a Southern girl, so, you know. Um, So tell me what's on the back cover, because I don't have a back Um, cover. I have this ebook. Okay, um, on the back cover is a typo. Um, but we, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get into all that. So, uh, Kenneth Height has a rule where if you are judging an elliptonic, uh, elliptonic book, a book about something that is crazy and also wrong, one of the, uh, key signs of quality elliptony is the size of the margins on the back. Because a true elliptonic author will have so much that they absolutely have to tell you that the margins on the back will be as small as they possibly can. So let me see these margins. So, okay. They're, they're pretty they tiny. They are pretty tiny. That, that made me happy. Um, so it's, um, it's, a, it's a quote from the book. Um, and then a puff quote from Sky Turner, international best-selling author who also wrote the foreword, and the promise or threat that it's soon to be a major motion picture. <laughs> uh, so it's um, uh, all right. Fair use is a thing. Uh, if go, contributor, go fund me if we get sued. Uh, I'm not a girl who needs a knight in shining armor. I snarled at him. Mac gritted his teeth and looked like he might hit me, but I knew that wasn't really an option for him. Guys like him didn't hit women, no matter how mad we made them. He laughed loudly. Ha! Good luck finding a technical director who will treat you like the princess you clearly think you are. If I found you locked in a tower, I'd promise I'd leave you there. End quote. Wait, so that Um, is the quote on the back cover? Yes. Okay. So, based on that, what the hell would you think- No spoilers. Based on that, what the hell would you think this book is about? Um, a woman in search of a technical director. <laughs> it is a very obscure kind of quote. Uh, interesting pull quote. Um, I'm honestly not sure what to do with that at all. I mean, the 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 puff quote from Sky Turner talks about how it's the new paranormal craze. Uh, more emotionally involved in the love in the story than even Twilight, which I loved. I loved it. It was better than Cats. I'm gonna see it again and again. Um, Does it really riveting- say Cats? No, oh. no, that's a Saturday Night Live quote before your time. Uh, riveting original storyline, relatable characters, love triangle of sorts, just enough magic with a K to ensnare you. Illusions of Vegas, small town Southern girl, object of attraction, two attractive men, jealousy, secrets, lives changed, magic, reality, war. Brewing, bets off, fortune tellers, uh, prepare to be enticed. Um, so the poll quote, or the puff piece, does a little bit better of explaining what you're in the mo- in for. Um, there's also a triple moon on the front cover, which, again, yeah, y- y- you know what you're throwing. Um, Is there any the, art uh, on the back cover? Uh, just a bullseye with a tuxedo mask rose and a, a blindfold and a throwing dagger. Um, All right. The, so... And so uh, it's so yeah. it's it's her is it i guess this might be reaching is it representative of her doing an illusion has she disappeared is it everything but her well so okay we're gonna talk about this as the book goes on i have no doubt but there is a clive barker movie called lord of illusion and it's based off a short story by him called i think the last illusion and it's about 
someone in Vegas who is a illusionist because tricks are something whores do for money or candy and is actually a magician as well. And uh, he disappears under strange circumstances and Harry Damore has to track him down. It's a whole thing. And so the whole what if Vegas but actual magic thing I'm familiar with and I really like. So I know that this is just going to make me angry. I'm glad you went with that. And um, because there's also The Prestige by Christopher Nolan, which is also a book as well. Um, is one of the now few... that is that is that is sufficiently advanced technology. That is not magic. Spoilers uh, for the prestige. It is also one of the few movies that I prefer over the book. Um, but I don't know if it is technology. But okay, it's been a long time since I've also read that book. But yes, you're right. This is not a new concept. But how many new ideas are there in this world? I am actually, I, I love the idea of a magician that is also really magic that is using their magic in life to make people happy with illusions. It's fun. Um, the, the inside cover does a lot more of exploring the, the, the plot. Um, and you know, it's, it's perfectly well written. Um, it gets chaos magic entirely wrong, uh, using chaos <laughs> magic, which is known for being unpredictable. That's not why it's called chaos magic. I have a bee in my bonnet about that, and well, you have all my to... yeah, you, you have all my fucking grimoires, so I'm I'm flying blind on this one. <laughs> well, there is no chaos magic in the forward and chapter zero, so don't worry. When we get to actual chaos magic, I either might have returned your books, or odds are I will be holding them up for you to look at. Yeah, um. I appreciate that. Fli- fl- hey, can you can you grab the Philip Hine book and turn to page? <laughs> um. So, is there uh, an author? paragraph for you know there's usually like what is it called well, an author summary? A, um yeah i mean there's a like oh a, a bio thing that's the word i'm looking for yes bio yeah um yeah. grew up in the grew up in the entertainment industry um did a lot of music stuff rock and roll rock and rolly gypsy touring with bands and working on festivals worked with everyone from ryan adams to Narls barkley um Clients that include the Plain White Tees, A Hundred Monkeys, and Blues Traveler. Uh, Blues Traveler famously disowned her publicly when this was boiling up. Yep, that Um, Twitter comment has been deleted, but you can find it on several news articles. Nothing is ever deleted on the internet, folks. Um, She's appeared in films such as Mall Cop 2, Jason Bourne, and Trailer Park Shark. Um, Debut novel of a series of books, which are also being made into feature films. She's on social networks. Now, which, is, who from who from American Pie is part of this? Is it um, Stifler? No, it's the kid that wanted... Okay, it's the Rookie of the Year guy. He, I haven't seen that movie. Oh my god, that's right. There is like enough of a gap that that is, I guess, acceptable. Um, he's the one who really wanted to have sex with his girlfriend. I think they end up having sex and then breaking up in the first movie. Oh, like the big dumb jock guy? No, it it's um he was a short dude. Hang on. He's not the kid who fucks the pie, right? It definitely not him. Okay. And, and it's he... not shit break. Uh, and it's not um it's not uh Eugene Levy. No, hang on. It is Thomas Ian Nichols. Thomas I'm gonna show you a picture, give me a second. Ian... Oh, you're looking at. Um, All right, fire away. Oh, yeah, that's that guy. Yeah, yeah he's, he's from American Pie. Who his girlfriend was in that? It doesn't matter. Life's um, too short. 
played Kevin in American Pie. That was his name. Okay, cool. So, um, yeah, so he is, I'm not entirely sure how involved he is in this, because I've seen things that imply that maybe he wrote some of it, um, or that he's just, he's really, maybe just really involved in the movie, but either way, he is out promoting this book alongside the author um, pretty much entirely. Uh, he also has a band right now. Um, his girlfriend was Tara Reed. That's why I, ugh, I was like, anyways, um, he has a band as well that I know next to nothing about. Okay, cool. All right. So person that exists, uh, tied with this, uh, media thing, yep. vertical, I think. Um, um, and also this is the debut book for Geek Nation. I was um, going to ask if Geek Nation had published anything before. Nope, which was, I mean... This controversy started because it was a debut author with a um, with a book that had next to no standard promotion um, for the YA world, which generally involves you know sending out an, an, an advanced reader copy, having some of the well known uh, blog blogsphere review it. Um, book tubers are a big thing when it comes to YA, um, or even having other YA authors read your book. So this is why, between that, between it being Geek Nation's first book, um, it was a lot of big first for it to suddenly be a number one book. Um, so it definitely wasn't, you know, a revenge thing. It was a lot of people scratching their head. But I think Geek Nation, if I remember correctly, is owned and started by the woman that played Gloria and Buffy. Glory. Glory, thank you. Um... I could be looking 100% that up wrong on that. Um, and also, real quick, um, first of all, go, everybody, for publishing your book. I used to work at um, uh, Vanity Press, uh, and shout out to the author for getting published and everything like that. Lord knows I'm not a published author. I work in insurance. I am in a hell of my own making, um, so I, I'm, I'm still punching up. Go me. Um but yeah, Geek Nation is is a thing. I can't find out anything about the founder, but you know, I trust you. Um, so yeah, good luck. Uh, shout out to to Lanny Sarum for getting published, and wish her all the best. That doesn't mean I have to like the book, and nor do I have to appreciate the marketing techniques. Um, so speaking of not liking the uh, book, you want to actually get into the the text itself? Yeah, you want to start with the dedication, or go straight to the forward? Dedicated to the granddaughters of the witches you could not burn, and for all those who believe in magic. And let me start by saying the burning times didn't happen. There was no witch cult in Western Europe. There was no burning times. None of it happened. There was a Spanish Inquisition, but people weren't getting burned at the stake en masse because they were witches. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. Giles Corey was... in the U.S.? <sighs> okay. People... The executions... <laughs> For witchcraft in the United States were, by and large, not burning. Giles Corey was pressed to death. Many people were hanged by the That's neck right, yes. until dead. But there was no burning times. So more, most of the witches were witches that they could not burn. Christians got burned at the stake for being the wrong flavor of Christian. Take a deep breath. People <laughs> people people accused of witchcraft got different punishments. So I just found it amusing because this entire book focuses on magic with a K. Um, but it is dedicated to those who believe in magic, 
without a K. With a C, yeah. So I don't know if those are supposed to be people that just believe in illusions or what, but... Illusions, Michael. <laughs> um, so then we get to the foreword. Yep. Um, it's written by a friend of the author. Um, it is. It is written by Sky Turner, who I knew nothing about, but it, she is also um, just a romance... Okay, I said that like that. She is a romance novelist, which is not a genre I read, so I couldn't tell you anybody who writes pure romance novels because it's not my cup of tea. Um, so for all I know, she could be one of the most popular romance novels since who Daniel Steele, who else is a romance novelist? Um, I mean, anything could be a romance novel if you're looking at it in the right way. <laughs> no, that's fan fiction. But yeah, they, they met while Twilight was filming down in Louisiana. If you could not catch the subtly subtle veil attempts of what movie they were talking about. And I don't understand why they didn't go out and just say Twilight. Um, but yeah, they met on a, a Twilight fan site that Sky Turner started mm-hmm. and cool. Um, I uh, And yeah, she kind of convinced uh, Sky Turner convinced uh, Lanny to turn the screenplay into a book. Um, so which I want to I, I want to keep that in mind because um, I am curious if this would have just been better as a screenplay and a movie rather than a book version first. But uh, I think we're going to need a few more chapters before we can really discuss that. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of a it's a weird forward for me. Um, I don't know a lot of books that have forwards these days that I... aren't anthologies or annotated classics. Um and it's a weird choice to get your friend to write your foreword yeah, for you. Especially it's, one that's not in the genre that you're trying to write. Yeah, but I don't know. So I, there's there's not a lot of meat to the foreword because it's a friend writing about another friend. And like, yeah. I'm not going to give anyone shit for having friends. Um, I, I find the process novel. Um, I will say I found it funny. There is like enough of um, how you pronounce the author's name to show that maybe the author uh, gets called the wrong name enough and it bothers her um yeah which is lanny like annie hall not lonnie like annie defranco yes and they're from you know different outlooks in life because you know political beliefs and religion are the most important things in the world um that's sarcasm if you don't know me well and they're from different parts of the country so yeah it's basically a forward of a woman just or a friend trying to be like hey despite the fact that we're nothing alike this book's great. Um, so yeah, and then we start with chapter zero, the fool. So now, I again, I have an e copy. Does yours have a bunch of quotes? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, just uh, some people are magic, while others are just the illusion of it by Bo Taplin. It's still magic, even if you know how it's done by Terry Pratchett. I like the night. Without the dark, we would never see the stars by Stephanie Meyer. And <laughs> real fucking ringer here. C.S. Lewis uh, cleaning up. Some journeys take us far from home. Some adventures lead us to our destiny. So I guess that sets the course of the book. Um, mm. <laughs> so, I, yeah. I, no, go on. Nope, I'm just still scratching my head a little bit about why you need four quotes. Um, it almost is like a, a graduation speech in that case, but, uh, you know, all you do, you do you. 
Um, so now chapter zero is the fool and every chapter is a major arcana of the tarot yep yeah yep um so i've only read the forward and the fool um which is a prologue i guess would be another word for chapter zero i'm not sure why we started with chapter zero but it's cool so now we're getting into the the actual meat of the book and now since we're actually dealing with that i feel more comfortable talking about the style um there are a lot of ticks that the author has and one of the things that comes up first is a habit of restating the same <laughs> idea multiple times and so that comes up in the second paragraph uh well i think you're it, being generous i think it happens in the first well okay the it it is it half happens in the first. The second paragraph, I think, is the first clear example of it because it, the entire paragraph is one idea restated four times. Isn't it true we always want what we can't have? One, the grass is always greener, so to speak. Two, of course, if you really checked out the other side, you'd probably find out that the grass is astroturf, fake and brittle and lifeless. Three, it sure is pretty from your side of the fence, though. Four. <laughs> and that happens multiple times. It does. Um, and it's... It, it is padding and I understand the use of repetition as a narrative device to drive home a specific idea, but I also don't think that's really necessary here. Uh, so she envies those with normal lives, but she wants what she can't have. Well, it's not even that. Uh, it's uh, that she envies those with normal lives because she's never had a normal month, a plain week, or an average day. <sighs> okay, so again, yeah, same same, same idea repeated yeah, multiple times. I, I don't know about you, but when I read, um, the sign of a really good book for me is a book that I forget that I'm reading. Um, where, you know, obviously you're reading, but you kind of forget that you're just looking at words. You get kind of submerged. And reading that sentence um, specifically, I don't think I've ever had, even had a normal month, a plain week, or an average day. I instantly knew that I was never going to divorce myself from the fact that I was just reading words. It's still better than the opening of A Tale of Two Cities, though. Anything's better than Charles Dickens. That's not true at all. That is a complete lie. But, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, okay, there you go. There's the exercise for a reader. Would you rather be reading this or Dickens? <laughs> oh, God, that is a very tough decision for me. Page two, we have our first Green Day po- quote. Uh, it marked a turning point. A fork in the road, which is from Good Riddance, Time of Your Life. Um, and I can only assume that she follows it up with a Dusty Roads quote. If you will, daddy. Um, <laughs> except she doesn't say daddy. Um, and then, again, she goes on choosing a path. Hope it was the right one. Once I made my choice, that was it. Couldn't double back and try again. And so we're talking about four paragraphs. Okay, no, it goes on to the next one. The fifth paragraph, some things in life are chosen by destiny and some things are your choice, which goes on and on and on. So we're we're a page and a half in and we've, we've had five sentences of ideas, I think. And does that continue? I'm going to let you find out. Um... But what we gather from the first page and a half is that she's ready to get out of this town. Right. Um, 
And we're both red state refugees, so we get this. Um, yes. <laughs> I am a double refugee because uh, I keep upgrading in life. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, next up you have to go to, like, uh, Europe, I think. Yeah, I um, think next would be... Germany. Mm, I don't know. If I'm going to do Eastern Europe... I guess Germany's not Eastern Europe. It's still... Central Europe. Can I do France? Yeah, you could do France. I'll do France. Right. Central um, Western Europe. So let's talk about... The, we get about, about uh, two pages in, and we finally start getting a little bit of a physical description of her. Um, we start oh, with yeah. her hair, which she likes to dye a multitude of fun colors, which is very pink, standard, I think, these days. Um, and yes, it is currently what colors? Pink, purple, blue, turquoise, green. Changes the color frequently. Perfectly cut bangs. Nobody has um, perfectly cut bangs. Unless you were Rory Gilmore. Nobody has perfectly cut bangs. Um, the Now, you have the e-copy, uh, but I would draw your attention to the photo of the author on the back jacket. Yes, yes. And we see a banged individual with multicolored hair. Yeah, um, I, I think this is, um, especially rereading the forward where it talks about religion. Um, and I was reminded that the author is, in fact, Jewish. Um, this is a very thinly veiled, it's an author, at least everything I've always self insertion. your, your main character is not of a book should not be you in a story. I mean, I guess some authors do that and maybe some authors do that successfully. Um, I, I've been to enough author signings where like, that's usually the question is, you know, what's the most autobiographical character and most authors that I personally enjoy can't point to one. It's usually like. I get enough of, or this part of this character is for me and blah, 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 blah. But this book is her and a story that she wants. And I don't know. It's like life fan fiction. I don't know exactly what you would call that. I, well, she, okay, again, I haven't, I haven't read anything beyond chapter zero. It would surprise me if this character rises to the level of a Mary Sue, um, but I, I, what, what's that smirk for? Uh, I think that that argument can be made in this chapter alone. Um, well, like, let's okay. continue on with. Uh, so she lives in a small town in Nashville named Centertown. Outside of Nashville. Uh, yes. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, Centertown, Tennessee, an hour or so outside of Nashville. Um, mother is a tarot card reader and spellcaster. They have also from, their family created this town, right? Um, I don't know. Oh, um, just that they've owned land in this place since the early 1700s. Yep, yep. Um, oh, basic ancestors basically established the little town called Centertown, Tennessee. Uh, so Which the, the, she, her, her roots run deep. It's um, a real town, for the record. Yep. And so there is obviously a tradition of folk magic in the Appalachians and uh this is not the Appalachians uh, don't, don't they the uh, Appalachians are farther east I thought I thought some of them extended in eh, I guess you're right no you're right you're okay right, right, right. as a reminder I lived in yep. Tennessee Arkansas Georgia all that area um it definitely does not extend this far um like the elevation is only 1100 feet mm-hmm. um yeah Okay, how about this? Um, there is a tradition of American folk magic. That's and 
If you want a good version of that, I would suggest checking out the Silver John stories by, I think, Manly Wade Wellman is the author. Um, but they are... I... I am looking up, and the Great Appalachian Valley, the the Piedmont at least, does extend into uh, mid-Tennessee. So, whew. I still don't think that that's considered part of the Appalachian. Uh, well, you can take it up with the free encyclopedia that anybody <laughs> can edit. Um, I, I mean, oh, God. Appalachians is synecdoche for, you know, revenuer, bootlegger redneck sorts of hill folk. Sure, but it's primarily, when when it's discussed, it's the Carolinas or what people sure. are thinking of more. Um, I, get, I get that, I get that. But, you know, so so her mother is a an American folk magician and tarot card reader. Um, living Sue in a Sayer, town of 247 people. Which I they kind of hint at this, but if the town is that small, do you really need a fortune teller or do you just listen to the gossip? Um, well, from the sounds of it, it sounds like people from all over the state and further are coming to visit for her mother for her skills. Okay, cool. Um, so, burning at the stake, is, burning at the stake is mentioned again, which can't overemphasize that Protestants were burned at the stake, not witches. Um, her family is quite familiar with it. So obviously she comes from a long line of 16th century German Protestants. Um, <laughs> um what else? Then we go um, back she's to, a, she... to more of a description of her, which, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I she's... think is where, in my opinion, the Mary Sue starts. Um, she is clearly described as someone who is hot and then she takes off her glasses and then everyone in the movie goes, wow, you're hot. Well, Yes and no. It's it's honestly more of a everybody thinks I'm everybody tells me I'm pretty all the time. Beautiful even. I'm not sure I see what they see. I think I'm more cute, an average looking girl. I'm slender, but I do not believe most would say skinny. Not hot girl Not skin. hot girl skinny at least. And then she talks about how she's got too much junk in the trunk. Well, uh, the thing that made me mad is that it says I have long legs that are toned, but I think my thighs are too large and I do not have a thigh gap. A thigh gap is genetic. Like, you can get to the point where you're anorexic skinny and still not have a thigh gap if that is what your genetics say. So, um... She's also got an hourglass figure. Yeah, it's, it's... You know, whatever. Um, Are you saying you don't like the way the booty go? I don't like the idea that you can consider or that the main character considers herself not to be beautiful because here's the line of that I subscribe to that considers beautiful. And I am not that anybody can say that that's bullshit. Um, I want to travel back in time uh, to point out her brand awareness. Uh, She's wearing Converse high tops, Levi's, Dark denim skinny jeans and a perfect flowing Lucky's top. I actually and... am glad you pointed that out because let's talk about how expensive that shit is. Are chucks that fucking expensive? Chucks are probably 50 to 60 bucks for a pair of shoes. Um, at least, I don't know. I usually buy my Converse two for one. So, um, but it's not even that. Levi's tend to be a more expensive brand. Like this is not, she's considered small town American by her mind but like a lucky's top 
is around 100, 150 bucks. I will defer to your knowledge um, of women's fashion. Levi's are what? They're, they're not Walmart brand jeans. These are like, you know, middle range jeans. You're not, uh, well, they're not oh, Burberry, oh, right, but. Right. Uh, well, I mean, and, and uh, now I will be the hipster and say, you know, are, are, are these raw selvage Levi's or are they just like generic work pant Levi's or are they, I mean, they, it's, Yes, but it, 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 it casts a picture. Um, yeah, so yeah, I mean, got... there is no mention of them being secondhand. There is no mention. They are dark denim skinny jeans ripped in all the right places, which is very much the style of the past few years. So my guess is these are new-ish Levi's. Yeah, they came, pre- they came pre-ripped, probably. Probably. Um, so yeah, and reading through that, I my first thought was more of like, you're fairly well off <laughs> in this, well, in this, you know, small, especially for a small town. I don't know. As someone who came from not this small of a town, but a small town who occasionally like can go back in my plaid and my jeans and be still feel uncomfortable because my plaid and jeans is still going to be a little bit more pricey because I'm from Brooklyn right now. than you know, small town Arkansas is going to be paying. Um, I myself was also born in a small town and, and raised in a small town. And I've never gone back to that small town because it's full of racist shitheads. The end. Um, so I've never had to worry about that. Um, okay. Pr- <laughs> My point being that she talks about feeling like she stands out and everything. And if this are the clothes that you're wearing, then hell yes, you're going to stand out because you're spending more on this one outfit than a family of four probably spends on food in a month in this area. And I, I, I support her fashion choices and you know, the, the hair, that's a definite look and et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, yeah. it's, it's not trying she, to diss it. I'm just saying it is a mm-hmm. little out of place for small town America. Yep. And right about now we meet the second character, her mother, Della. Yes. And da, 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 da. Um, old soul, dark blonde hair. Never looks like okay. she's running, always looks like she's floating, looks just like her mother. Okay. So there's one question that I have for you. Okay. Sheepish, sheepishly, my mother replied, but, and this is spelled Z-A-D-E. Now, remind me, how is this pronounced? It is Zade. It'll actually come up in the next chapter, um, how to pronounce it, but it is Zade. And what's the character's full name? You're not supposed to know that yet. No, okay, but that'll come uh, up in a later uh, chapter, so we will get right, when we get right, to that. So, 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 so the character is named Zade, short for some unknown concept. <laughs> um, more brand awareness. It's a Dakin duffel, which while I was reading this to Erin, she said that's not even that fancy. It's so, not that uh, fancy. It's probably a decent brand. I. I have seen them more for like people that like to go skiing. So, mm. um, but yeah, it's not like she's carrying around a Burberry or anything like that. Yep. And uh, yeah, so this is this is the um, Campbellian refusal of the call thing, I guess. Except in this case, the call is never refused. Her mom tries to get her to stay, and she doesn't want to stay um, for a variety of reasons. Like it's a tiny ass town in nowheresville and like i can understand not wanting to stay in that um uh what's funny and it's 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 a little hard there's a lot of info drop in this first chapter um so i just want to is there okay there's a lot of 
background. There's a lot of information. I don't know. Um, But basically what I want to point out is that she says, but Zaid, I thought you liked reading cards. I thought you liked this kind of life. And then there's lots of paragraphs. And then for me, it's the next page. It says, she's the most persuasive person on the planet and possibly other planets. And I knew that if I stayed a minute longer, I might not leave. Just a reminder, her mother has only said, I thought you liked reading cards. I thought you liked this kind of life. But it is later revealed that her mother put some sort of whammy or mojo on her to convince her to stay. Um... Uh, I don't know how you got ever got away with keeping me out here for so long anyway, to which her mother replies, I had my ways. So um, she has pretty explicitly been held magically against her will for at least some time, which is creepy and weird. Um, folks, if you take one lesson from this podcast, it's don't hold people captive against their will. Yeah, I think that should be a message in life, period. Yep. Um, and she has a uh, she plans to audition for that show, which is italicized. Her... Right. So um, I I think that she's going to audition for Lucha Underground um, <laughs> because she mentions going out west and, you know, Lucha Underground is a California based promotion. And so it's got a really strong women's wrestling program in it. And so I think that show is Lucha Underground broadcast on the El Rey network and available on Netflix now. Well, the very last line says, nope, not the very last line. Second, last line says even the high stakes reference was perfect considering I was headed towards Las Vegas. Now. Okay. I want to talk about that. We got a- um, not the, not, not the, you know, you, you, you open the door and I'm going to step through. All right. So, so, um, she's got the radio on. She was driving. Uh, play the riff to running down the dream. Um, it was the opening lyrics to the Dixie Chicks song "Wide Open Spaces." Now, many authors would trust their readers to be grown-ups and end it there, but in case, like, you are waking up from a coma right now, and your first words that you hear are your loving partner reading aloud to you from this book and says it was the opening lyrics to the Dixie Chicks song wide open spaces. And you go, I've been in a coma for several years. I can't possibly place this in context. She then goes on to quote three, well, at least two verses and a chorus of the song. And given the fact that it's called wide open spaces, couldn't you just end it there and assume that it's not, I, like it, it, it's it's very fan fiction-esque I, 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 to put lyrics into a book I, it's not the first book to do it and it doesn't mean that you can't do it successfully it is very fan fiction like for me to have lyrics in the book and i don't know if you read the copyright page these aren't the only lyrics in the book oh yeah yeah uh she references um uh amy man so shout out shout out to that um Amy Mann's awesome. Uh, fully support that. Uh, I will reference a bad book podcast. I don't even own a television, which is in part why I suggested we do this. One of the co-hosts, Chris Collision, has a rule, which is that anytime he is reading a book and he comes across a large section of poetry or anything that is italicized, he will skip over it entirely. And Oh, a heads up. You can't do that in this book. 
Just are the Amy Man are the Amy Man lyrics really key to the to no? The song? But if your book is anything like mine, um, it'll eventually switch oh perspectives, my God. and it's done in oh. a tell size. So, uh, sorry me. for the minor spoiler there, but um, oh. God, I actually have no. a similar rule to that where if something's italicized for a long enough period, it Fuck. actually hurts my eyes to read it. But just a heads up, we are going to have that problem. Um, oh, I picked a bad day to stop sniffing glue. There is one more. Well, I'm sure we got plenty more we could talk about here. But there is a line that um, I, when I read this book originally, I, I have it in ebook. Um, not that it would have mattered because even if I had it in actual form i still would have highlighted but i highlighted the line my anger erupted if she hadn't been my mother i probably would have punched her i have a very wonderful mother my mother is absolutely one of the most fantastic people in the entire world and this is not any kind of sarcasm or anything my mother is the freaking best my mother and i did not get along in my teenage years and i'm sure there are plenty of times where she might have wanted to punch me, but while I never got mad at my mother, I never actually had the thought, I really want to punch you right now. And the only reason I'm not is because you're my mother. She, All things considered, she does really take the being held magically against her will thing pretty calmly on balance. Like, she just, which... I, like, I, is that ever... I, well, okay, I'm going to ask a question, and you're not going to answer it, because I'm not supposed to have any fucking spoilers. Um, but, and maybe this is me just reading too much into it, but that's a really severe violation, and I don't think... I, I get that that's not the plot of the book and what the book is trying to do, but we have spent more time exploring that theme than the actual book does so... at this point. I think in some ways that is you reading into it. Cause when I first read it, read this, it's not how I took it. Um, I will say that you will get some resolution as to what the hell's going on there uh, at like, some point, but it is not, I mean, this she, is not she, a she, woman who, I mean, there are, what we haven't hit on is the fact that there are paragraphs of her talking about how her life has been good in this yep. town, she, you know, this is, it was home. And even though, you know, not everybody likes her, she, it's still where she feels like she belongs. Um, yeah, but I mean, like, if she's, if, if, if you have someone with explicit magical abilities, cryptically referencing, I have my ways, you know, she's not talking about her secret fucking cherry cobbler recipe, right? Okay, Like, sure. oh, you, you know, like, oh, well, you know, you always, yeah, I had my ways. Like, I would, I would always remember that you like the slice of cheese on top of your apple pie. Like, it's, it's, it's... I it, don't. It, that is so gross. Um, I mean, again, well, she is the most persuasive person on the planet and maybe others. And other planets, <laughs> which... Uh... <laughs> my point being... Um, I think you're reading it into it a little bit darker than it was intended. Yes. I absolutely. Okay. Intended is doing the heavy lifting there because <laughs> maybe so. I, I, I absolutely agree that it was unintentional. I am having difficulty ascribing another flavor of will to it, but we'll get into the nature of will and intent when we explore the magic system more thoroughly, I am sure. <laughs> um, there is, let's see, she can't lie to her mother. 
they definitely have an interesting relationship based on this chapter alone. I agree. I don't know. Like, there's... I would rather read... I would read a prequel to this <laughs> book. I would read... I'm, I'm certain I have read at some point a novel about a, you know, single mother witch woman in a small town getting up to supernatural hijinks. You know, I, I, I have Michael McDowell write it. Um, okay. Or, or something like that. Like, I would I would read that book. And, and so I am I am at this point slightly more interested in the character of the mother than I am the main character of the book. Um, I'm sure I will have to rapidly disabuse myself of that notion to continue on to uh, chapter one, The Magician. I will say that I am currently reading It and knowing Eddie's mother in It. If you take the tone of that mother and apply it here, yes, this mother reads as very, very awful. I was going to say vindictive, but just, I think, overall awful. Um, So I, I can see where that comes from. It was not how I originally read it. Totally get where you're coming from. Um, so yeah, now that's basically it for the foreword and chapter zero. I think um, it is. So next up is, as I said, chapter one, the magician. And, um, I've already guessed where I think the story is going, where she's going out <laughs> West to try for a professional wrestling, uh, spot. Um, I don't think sexy star is going to be back in Lucha underground after she legit <laughs> injured someone in a wrestling match. So she's kind of on the outs. Um, so there is a, there's a power vacuum and maybe, um, Zade is 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 definitely the uh, the the person to to take Sexy Star's spot in the Lucha Underground roster. So far, I, I hear my questions. I have for you. Um, we know this book's about magic. What kind of magic do you think they have? Um, well, it's it's established that it's it's called chaos magic, which again is kind of a fundamental. Oh God. Okay, hold on. I gotta. I'll, I'll be right back, but then I'm going to do a tight five on chaos magic. One no, second. we have, trust me, there will be an entire chapter where you can just do your entire, it doesn't even have to be a tight five. Okay. There will be plenty to talk about chaos magic. Okay. Okay. I, I am, I am not optimistic that this book has, and, 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 and again, I'm talking about a magical tradition where it's everybody do your own thing, but it's, it's, it's more about a, a syncretic kind mm-hmm. of buffet diner approach to magical traditions and it's not intrinsically chaotic it actually involves a lot of focused meditation and work and and like capital w work and all that other stuff um so i i guess like i i i'm gonna I, honestly i think this book has the same sort of relationship towards magic that i do which is i use it as a guided meditation focus and a little bit of self-help and like sage smells good so i like smudging things and you know sharp implements are fun and wacky chalk drawings are fun and heavy metal kicks ass and all that other stuff but i I, like i don't think that this is going to be people flying around slinging fireballs at each other okay um i'm not going to comment one way or the other because i really like you not knowing because i know how much you hate not knowing um this is gonna be fun just remember question. that when the second book comes out, we will be reading this blindly together. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I figure we're going to do a bonfire side chat approach to it, which is one season on the book. And then in the off season, we can talk about things that influence the book or remind us of the book or, yeah. you know, that are actually good. Um, we'll figure that out. Um, yeah. So let's see. Let me look 
at how long the next chapter is. I think it is actually a fairly long chapter. There are a couple chapters that are fairly short that I think we could get one or two in together, but the first chapter is definitely long enough that we'll do just an episode on that. Um, if you're listening to actually, this, wait, go ahead. Hold on real quick. I do also want to co- comment for those of you who don't have a copy of the book in front of you. Um, God's how I envy you. The font's big, double-spaced, big old margins on the actual book itself. Somebody was trying to stretch out their essay assignment. <laughs> um, I'm trying to see if there's anything else in here. Oh, I'm still alive. Let's see. I'm looking through my highlights here. Um, there's Dr. Seuss quotes. Yep. So... I think that's it. Yep, we've only got two main characters. There's not a lot I can ask you there. Oh, what do you think of her dyslexia conversation? Um, I'm not certain that's how dyslexia works. I don't know much about dyslexia. Okay, not it's not how all. dyslexia no. works. Okay. No, um, I actually done. Uh, I did some research after while I was writing my review. Mirror writing is not part of dyslexia, um, but I think at one point it was considered to be part of dyslexia. Um, but it's, that's not how that works. Okay. Um, so, so is that it for this week? I think so. Um, I don't know if we, uh, kind of jumped the gun and started all this. So there might be a guest next week or it might just be the two of us talking again. Um, I will post social links, uh, within the episode so you can find us and talk yep. to us if you want. Um, or if, if you, you want to hear us guest on it. Um, yep. And if but, you want to hear us talk about stuff that we enjoy. I was about to say, um, where else can other people find you? Over the Tabletop is my prime podcast. I do it with my partner, Aaron. We talk about two-player board games. That's search for Over the Tabletop Podcast. You'll find it. <laughs> uh, and you can find me on my other two podcasts, Judging Book Covers Podcast, which is a bi-weekly book club podcast. And Listen to the episodes that I guested on. Um, you can also find me on... My other podcast is Fabulous Retellings, where I and my friend Mary get together and talk about fairy tales and their modern adaptations. And there's a lot of giggling because YA tropes have been around since the dawn of time. So, yep. um, we'll, are we doing this weekly? Probably. Cool. Because then I only have to deal with this for 21 weeks. And then the second book comes out. Oh, fuck. All right. <laughs> Until next time, I remain for my sins, James DeBrooker. And I'm Megan Griffin. See you next week.